This is Joyce Johnson with The Sands of Time, a program of oral history in which we interview our fascinating neighbors. And today, this is a very special occasion. I don't know how long I've wanted to get Ciro Cozy and Sal Del Deo in the room together. Of course, we didn't know whether the room could ha handle it, but <laughs> we're here. <laughs> and for those, uh, th for those who don't uh, know, haven't been around long enough, Ciro and Sal had a restaurant that started 50-odd uh, years ago. And it became the hot spot, uh, unwittingly became the hot spot of Provincetown, where everybody had to go. And we're going to talk about those origins here in the Sands of Time today. Ciro, tell me, first of all, how did you get here to Provincetown? Uh, well, let, let me see. How did I get here to Provincetown? I was a student at the Art Students League after the war. And that was the Second World War, not the Civil War, the Second <laughs> World War. And um, uh, <clears throat> when the term ended, the Art Students League had a summer program up in Woodstock. And I was all set to go to Woodstock, and a friend of mine said, my God, you're going to be eaten alive with mosquitoes and, <laughs> and whatever. And I said, well, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Cape Cod. I said, well, I've never been. He said, it's absolute paradise. You've got to go. So that's how I got here. I drove up and um, had my first dinner at Wong's restaurant in the center <laughs> of town, right across from Land's End. It wasn't Land's End then. What was it? It was Land's End. No, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I guess it was. And that was it. I was hooked. And um, Yeah. I just, we stayed, and that's how I met Sal. <laughs> I met this young greenhorn from Providence, <laughs> you know, Federal way Hill. behind the ears. Hill. <laughs> the eternal romantic, you know. He would get up at, you know, at dawn to start sketching, and I said, this kid's got to be crazy. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the night before, I'd been partying a lot, and... Um, he sure did. He was too young to party. <laughs> Too young, huh? Yeah. Sally, too young. Had, he had, didn't want to lead him astray, right? Yeah. We had Charlie Cooper, who also joined us from Vesper George, I believe. Yep. Am I right? Yep. And then who? What, uh, Elliot McMullen. Uh, Elliot. Oh, yeah. He the was, wild Irishman. I, he, <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was He was a head case. Uh, I wonder where he is now. Where, have you heard? No, I haven't heard. Nothing. No, I, heard. I know Charlie. Yeah. Well, we were there, and we lived um, in, uh, what was his name? Nathan Roach. Nathan Roach's uh, cottage. Uh -huh. Those are the days when you can get a cottage for a hundred bucks a summer, right? Well, about that. I, yeah, yeah, not if we paid that much. But we were right. They should have given it to us for nothing. <laughs> we were right. Below us was a dry cleaning oh, establishment. Huh? And when we we would leave, we, we were studying with Henry Hitchie at the time, and we'd go back to lunch for lunch, and this guy would be pressing his clothes at that time. And it was really a sauna. It was incredible. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. And then we would, uh, we you know, we had a little kerosene stove where we cooked our dinners, and that, 
That was really something. Had you both trained as cooks somehow, or no, how did you happen to have the most famous uh, had a hard restaurant? Time boiling water. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, well, how did the, how did this uh, notion of the uh, you were from Providence, Cell, no. You came down here to to study draw, painting. Study. He was getting he was getting back from the Korean War. Yeah, yeah. studying painting. Studying yeah. painting. No, wait a minute. This before I was in the service. You See, came here first? He's a little confused there. No, 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 no. When you... This, I, when I came back after the Korean after, War, after that's when you, I got married and yeah, we started yeah. the restaurant that year. Right, exactly. 53. But before that, in 46, I had come here because I saw Henry Enchi give a painting demonstration of Vesper George. And I was so impressed by not only what he did on the canvas, but what he said, because it basically was a commercial art school. And to hear this guy talk about Titian and Michelangelo and Rembrandt and Vermeer, and, you know, and it's the young, socialist party and the socialist labor party. <laughs> he wasn't into his diet then yet. Oh yes, oh, yes he was. Yes. Oh, oh dear. God! Every student had to be indoctrinated. <laughs> and Charlie, I think, it never left him. He stayed with it. Yeah. Charlie Cooper. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Cooper's still on it. He's still on it. He's still on the diet. Really? But anyway, uh, so. Um, I went up to him after the, in fact, I remember he painted Margie Osborne, who was Margie Osborne then. She later married young John Wolfe, uh -huh. John Wolfe's first son. Okay. And uh, I said, Mr. Mr. Henchy, uh, do you have a school I'd like to study with you? If, you know, if you know Henry, he was not very pleasant. Right. <laughs> Could be a little He said, well, uh, what do you want to study painting for? Well, I want to be a painter. <laughs> yeah, well, all right. Yeah, I got a school. Well, where is it? He said, why don't you find out about it? <laughs> it wouldn't help me at all. Finally, he said, well, it's a Cape Cod. And I said, Cape Cod? You know, now it's hard for people today to really imagine that there were people who had grown up in their late uh, teens and early 20s that didn't know where Cape Cod was and was only 100 miles away from where they were. That's how little people traveled in those sure. days. So he told me Cape Cod. I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, where is the Cape Cod? <laughs> Showing my ignorance. So if you're really interested in studying, look it up on a map. And he left. So it happened that Charlie Cooper was not at the school that he was five years old. He's your age, I think. So no, he's a little younger than you. Oh, really? A couple of years, maybe. I think I've got him there by a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, he's, he's 80. At that time, he was five years older than me. And he had also been in the Second World War. So he'd been around, you know. And so my mother, so I said that he, he was up absent that day from school. So uh, I said, Charlie, I just saw this guy paint. It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. In three hours, he painted this complete head, beautiful, solid head. I couldn't believe it. He said, well, who is he? And it was Henry Henchy. Well, where does he live? He said, Cape Cod. He said, oh, Cape Cod. Oh, I know what Cape Cod is. He said, well, let's go down and visit him this winter. So we came down in the middle of winter, and it's like it would be it would be close to being like you're taking a trip today to a remote part of Alaska. Mm -hmm. you, know, it was, you know, there was no highway, there was no airport, and and being here in the winter time, there was nobody on the streets. Right, <laughs> a windy road through Yarmouth, right? And you remember, right. Henry Henry had the last house in town except for Nelson's farm because right. there was no highway. Yeah. So there was all fields there and I'll never forget sitting in his upstairs 
living room, a beautiful room that was his wife's house, incidentally, Ada, Ada Raina Henchy, mm-hmm. and uh, who was built by Jesse Meads. Okay. And uh, we look out, and we see these horses in the pasture there. It looks like something out of, you know, England or Scotland. Wow. It's so beautiful. So we listened to his, we were there captive from about 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> till we left the next day, and he never stopped talking. <laughs> well, we did go to sleep for a few hours. Uh-huh. Nothing to eat because he wouldn't give us anything to eat. Was he drinking then? Tea. No, what tea? No, just tea. Yeah, the time Henry drank was when somebody else had it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> just tea. We were freezing Otherwise, to death because he, he wouldn't put wood on the stove. You know, he's an incredible guy. So we were so excited being young and everything. And and we, Ada, Ada Rayner was a saint. Yeah. And absolutely. Well, she happened to be in England at the time. You see, she was right after the war. She went back to see her family. So he was alone in this place. <laughs> it was really an experience. So he said, well, you'll come this summer. We'll be, you know, how much is it going to cost? He said, well, you, you can afford it? I said, no, but I'll probably get a job. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll make you uh, the class uh, monitor. Or monitor. Something. Mm-hmm. You take care of the clean the place and mm-hmm. set up the, the benches when we have our uh, crit- crit- critiques and when I paint. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so... That's what, so he gave me a sort of a scholarship, and it was wonderful. So then I came, and he said, well, you're going you're gonna to book him with this guy from New York. So he introduces me to Ciro, <laughs> and then Ch- and Charlie, because I already knew. And then he said, well, one other guy will share the expense with you, Elliot McMurrow. So we met, and it was very funny. The room was a little bigger than this room. In the studio. Not much bigger. Four ten, guys. Ten by twelve, huh? Yeah, four guys. <gasps> like Turo said, with wow. a cleaning establishment underneath. Oh. It was so bad. Yeah, bunks? Or? No, we had army cots. Oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> yeah. you know, it was a wonderful experience, especially for me, because, first of all, my mother wouldn't even let me come, because I wasn't 18 yet. She only let me come because Charlie Cooper, that she loved, and she used to sew all the buttons on his clothes all the time because he was, you know, his his mother never took care of those things. But every time he was at the house for dinner, <laughs> which was frequent, Mama would sew his shirt and, and do all, you know, Mama the way he was. So uh, she said, well, if Charlie go, you go in Italian, you know, because otherwise she wouldn't let me come. Because she didn't know where the hell Cape Cod was. Sure, you know, right. So that's how we met. Isn't that great? And the what four of us, great, great, yeah, great we, way to meet, huh? Yeah. But that, but and that, all but, these years later, here but you But there are. was something before that. I met, I almost met him when I was a kid, when I was about seven or eight. My father had a Model T, and uh, he said we were going to go visit some Furiani relatives in Paisani, in North Haven, North Haven, Connecticut. Connecticut. Mm-hmm. It was like going to the moon. You know? yeah. <laughs> so we got up at four in the morning, and those cars had a scissor-type thing for the luggage on the outside. Right. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. We packed that thing up with watermelon and sandwiches and chicken and you name it. You know, we got in the car, all four children. No, three children. My brother was in Italy at the time, uh, my, my oldest brother. And my mother and father, we drove, seemed like forever. We finally got to North Haven, Connecticut, and his uncle's place, they're right on the water. Oh, what a spot that was. So I met his cousin named Cyril, 
But he didn't come that day. He was playing baseball somewhere else. We, so, had, we had the Twilight and, League. Yeah, Twilight League. So I almost met him then. That would have been like the late 30s. Interesting, huh? So I guess it was destiny. <laughs> I guess so. Twilight League. I thought that was for elderly. You were only a kid then. <laughs> we were kids. Well, well, he he was. I was. You know, I'm ten years, eleven years older than Sal, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you never know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Love too. So then, how did we evolve from? I know well, people come to the Cape and they want to paint or sculpt or whatever, and then you got to find a way to eat. Exactly. And uh, well, I left right after that first year. Okay. I went out to I went to school in Colorado, where I wanted to study fresco painting, mm. and uh, that's where I met uh, Jean Charlot, mm -hmm. who had uh, who had worked with Orozco, mm. in developing no the uh, and redeveloping the technique of um, of fresco, which had been lost in Mexico. And they attribute that to Rivera, but that's wrong. I mean, Orozco was the one. Orozco and uh, and Jean Charlot were the ones who who uh, rediscovered fresco wow. in, Mes in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I always loved fresco, so that's, so that's where I went. When I got there, uh, uh, Orozco was very was very ill, and Charlot had taken over the program. And. Uh, but there weren't enough students really interested in in fresco, so we spent most of our time. Even though we did some fresco, we spent most of our time in painting, easel painting. But at it was that, gorgeous. At was that time, beautiful. that school where Cyril went was probably the best school in the country hmm. for art. What's they the name again of it? Colorado Art the, uh, Center. Uh, what was it called? Yeah, mm -hmm. the uh, Colorado School. Boardman Robson was yeah. out there. Boardman mm -hmm. yeah. uh, yeah. Robson, yeah, Gordon he was. Robinson, Gene Shallow. Was Anton Refrigier there too? Uh, I think he was. Yeah, yeah I, I it was, was a yeah. terrific, wow. terrific bunch. It was, of, oh, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, you, coming from New York City, you get out there and you've got this incredible panorama, you know, and you have the the presidential range of the Rockies mm -hmm. right at your back door. Wow! And it was just absolutely gorgeous. You wow. know? And I remember calling my mother and saying. I think they vacuum the streets. <laughs> I've never so seen clean. anything so clean. And it was, it was just a wonderful Compared place. To New York I didn't City. want to leave. I didn't want to wow. leave. Wow. Huh. Yeah. But, well, uh, glad you did. It was gorgeous. It was really beautiful. And we lived at the time, I lived in Manitou Springs, which the foothills of, of uh, Pikes Peak. Uh -huh. And everything there was on a hill. Yeah. I, I, I lived in a small apartment. You had to be in good shape to get to that apartment. It was, <laughs> it was a forty-five degree angle, Ooh. and I said, "Up a hill." I, said, I wonder what's going to happen when it snows. <laughs> oh, but it was a beautiful place, a beautiful place to live, you know. And um, uh -huh. I loved it. And how long were you there? I was there a couple, couple of years, couple a few years. years, and then we came back. Um, it was just, uh, you know, the other thing I remember about it was you had no screens on the on windows and doors. Mm -hmm. no, there were no, no mosquitoes, no, so no flies. Yeah. You said there was no mosquitoes. It, it was just amazing. Hmm. It, was, it was a lovely place, yeah. So how did you happen to get to Provincetown for keeps? Well, I went back. We went, you know, at the time I had met my my first wife, 
and uh, we went back to uh, New York, mm-hmm. where I my parents lived. And I remember I bought a uh, an Oldsmobile. It was pretty old. <laughs> I bought it for uh, everyone said you were nuts. I was I paid too much money. It was three hundred bucks. <laughs> And and that's when Victor Di Carlo came back with me. Victor <laughs> Di Carlo, a dear friend who was also studying there, and we drove back. And uh, I remember hitting um, 125th Street in this horrible traffic jam, and it was a it was a dark, dingy day. And it's like, welcome to New York, right? <laughs> and I said, what in the hell am I doing here? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It was so depressing. So, of course, I had no money. We had to stay at my uh, my parents with my parents in the Bronx. And, um, you know, my parents were really, they were very accommodating. Uh, they shook their heads a lot and at the way we lived and the way we raised this child or were hoping to raise this child. My father would simply walk by and say, well, I guess it's, they have their way. <laughs> he said, what else can you say? <laughs> and, uh, well, my father was a funny man. He, um, he was from the old school and in Italy, the most lethal thing is the draft, and not the draft for the service. Any anything that comes through a door or a window is, is a draft. <laughs> right. And uh, he would answer the door with his hat and coat. <laughs> I used to look at him and say, "My, it's only a few feet." It <laughs> <laughs> might catch but, cold. And so at that time, I remember we had our uh, first child, Theo. And uh, Eero would put her out in a carriage. We had this one of these New York uh, brownstones mm-hmm. and the lower area, uh, which was you know, about four or five steps below the street. Right. And she'd put the child out there. And my father would look up at heaven and go, oh, my God, it's raining. And she's got this. <laughs> <laughs> What our parents put up with. Oh, I know, know. really. So then we decided this, I couldn't take it in New York anymore. That was it. So I said, Provincetown, great town, you'll love it. And it just so happened she had been there. In fact, that's how we met. And that was it. And I got back to Provincetown. We had a wonderful apartment right across the street from where I live now. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where Manalkas Duncan had his sandal shop. And mm-hmm. uh, we had a three-bedroom apartment on the water for three hundred dollars for the summer. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> now it's three hundred dollars a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but it was wonderful, you know. Yeah. I loved it, and yeah. and that's when I, you know, started. I was I had about three jobs. I had to. Uh, I I was working for Duncan. I was working for Lucille Donahue. And I was working for uh, Gutzler downtown. (laughs) Yeah. 
I think the highest pay I got was a dollar ten. One was at ninety cents, and the other one was at a buck. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. So you both figured there's another well, somebody, way to go, huh? Somebody, somebody. And Sal was still with uh, Henshi at the time. Yeah. Someone said to me, "We got to save Zero." I walked by the townhouse restaurant, and I couldn't see him because there was a mountain of dishes in front of him. You couldn't see him. There was no dishwasher. It was all by hand. Oh, it was all, oh boy, all it was by horrible. hand. This guy was doing the, at that time, the lunch crowd was the big crowd because the boat would come oh, in with yeah. hundreds of people. And they had to wait in line at the Mayflower, the townhouse. And they wanted to eat right away, you see. And so these guys would shovel out that stuff. And in this case, this guy, you couldn't even see him. The dishes were so piled up. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd get to work. And I'd, I'd, and, 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 <laughs> and these dishes, I'd say, oh, my God. I wonder how many I can break. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to wash them, right? And they weren't very generous with the food for the help either. Uh huh. All you could scrape off the plates. Huh? Oh, I, yeah, the, right. oh, they were. But it was um, I just want to say a couple of things. Ciro, uh, you can take it over. When he came over, when he came to the class, he was far and above the most advanced student in the Henchy class mm -hmm. because he was uh, had a much more training mm -hmm. before he'd he'd studied as a kid with the Picciarelli brothers. Now, who are the Picciarelli brothers? They're probably the most unsung heroes in American art. There were a bunch of brothers. I think there were seven brothers that came from Italy, and they were responsible for practically every major monumental sculpture in America. Oh, really? Yeah. Including Daniel Chester French's Abe Lincoln, the Abe huge Lincoln, thing. Right. Attilio and his other brother, I forgot his name, they carved that out of Tennessee marble. And the original, and the original piece was in clay. Right. It wasn't cut in stone. Right. It was in clay, and it wasn't very large. Yeah. And they pointed it up to this wow. heroic size. The, tell me how to spell that word. P-I-T-P-C-A-R-I-L-D-I. When you come to us, I got an article that came out in the magazine recently about them. Oh, great. And then they worked at the school during the Depression. Leonardo da Vinci School. That's this where was, I went at night, with, right. and that's where I met Angelo. Right, and this is and Victor Basil. And Victor Basil was there. This was a wonderful, like a sort of like a, um, like our community center. It was to help the kids from the street get off the street and teach them something, that would be a, a craft, mm -hmm. especially. Mm -hmm. So it was started by a friend of my brother's. His name was Honorio Rotolo, and he was a sculptor from Italy. And he was a socialist. Oh, boy. <laughs> and he lived, he had, a, he had a studio at One Union Square. And when, late, years later, when I went to the league, he used to let me use his studio to paint in. And I met Raphael Sawyer, and I met Reginald Marge. Wow. And the whole building, 15 stories, all full of artists. Wow. It was an incredible building. And Rodolo was right there, centered in front of everything. He started the school called the Leonardo da Vinci School of Art. And it was free. Well, it was a WPA project. Yeah, and LaGuardia had the blessings of Mayor LaGuardia. Yeah. So WSO, it was funded by the city. And and of all things I found out later, Harry Kemp used to read his poetry there. Mm. Maxwell Bodenheim used to read his poetry there. A lot of people connected with Provincetown used to go there and do whatever art they, they did. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. Yeah. Cyril, so Sira had all this wonderful training. So we used to look up to him because mm -hmm. he could paint and draw better than any of us. 
and uh, we still look up to him. <laughs> well, we're not seeing his paintings, but he, well, I understand he's working. I saw some. Yeah, recently? Quite startling. I quite bet. amazing. I bet. Yeah, that's... that's um... If you believe that, you believe anything. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Cyril? So we've been nagging you forever, it seems, because once you get into... The commercial end of life, you know, it yeah, lures well, I, you I, away I could eat from the, your art. I could eat the product, and that was important. <laughs> yeah, that was important, and uh, you know, it, those are hard years. Yeah, you know, I, anyone going into the arts, whether it's writing or painting or dance or a theater, whatever. You've got it's to know, a, know a, another way to tough, make a it's living. A, it's a tough, it's a tough road to hold. Yeah, we, you know, people. This mind you, this is before colleges allowed painters who didn't have degrees to teach. Mm -hmm. this came, that came after the mm -hmm. Korean War. Mm -hmm. uh, prior I had that, a wonderful opportunity because but of you that, didn't yeah. have a college education. No, I didn't have so a college education. Teach. No, that's it. Well, they considered what what we did in Colorado Springs. That was uh, that was a college course. Oh, oh I see. That was yeah. a college course. Yeah. But that wasn't it. Is that right after the war, the the schools were the universities, colleges were looking for professional artists for uh, you know for their uh, to staff their art department. Mm -hmm. And Angelo. I was one Who's of Angelo? those who, yeah, this he got, and he was at Angelo, Sarah, who was that? Angelo Ippolito. Okay. Who's having a show this weekend. Okay. And Angelo, at the time, said, you know, apply. He said, they're looking for anyone. And um, he went out to Berkeley. And I was all set to go, and I thought about it, and I said, oh, God, it's, you know, I hate leaving Provincetown and, uh, and and so I, it was a wonderful opportunity. Uh, yeah. Really, yeah. huh? Well, he, have, Angelo, he taught at some of the best schools in the country. Yeah, he did. Really, yeah. taught at uh, Sarah Lawrence at Berkeley and Michigan State, and at uh, and in and the um, New York um, Binghamton. What type? What type of painter is he? What? What type of painting? He's an abject, uh, 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 oh, abstract expressionist. Okay. Beautiful painter. That, Wonderful sense of color. He's right. a colorist, really. Right. Uh, color is absolutely magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the first time he's had a show in this area? Oh, no. In the early 50s, after, what's his name, started the gallery. Yeah, who uh, was it? Coots. Coots. Stanley Coots. Samuel Coots started a gallery, and later, when he left, he sold. He sold the, the, the name of the, the to place, Nat Halper to Nat Halper who owned the property. Oh yeah, that's yeah. how he got it. Oh, okay, yeah. it's called HCE. Yeah, and Angelo yeah. shows there. Angelo shows. Angelo had oh, one okay. man shows there. Yeah. So sell out every show. Really? Every year. That's thirty or forty years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And he was, he was extraordinary, and he was you know he was hitting right on top of the mark. Right. And uh, then he was later picked up by Grace Borgenek in New York. Mm -hmm. And that was a mistake. And that was that was too bad. That was a mistake because she never she, sold another thing. Really? Yeah. Well, she never. You know, he felt that uh, he owed her something. I don't know what he owed her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because uh, I used to argue with him, I said, "My gosh, she's not doing anything for you." Yeah. You know, you you've already 
has some, you know, On some kind of recognition. People know who you are, and and you're being buried in that gallery. Really? And he was with her. He admitted later. He said uh, he twenty odd years. Yeah. I think. Oh yeah, he was there a long time. You know, we won't believe it, but a half an hour has gone by. We still haven't talked about your restaurant, but we'll get you back here very pronto. Our guests uh, on the Standard Time today have been Syracuse and Sal Deldeo, who were the originators of Sears and Sal's restaurant. And we're delighted to have you here. And I'm signing you up for another program because I want to hear more about that restaurant. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> the Sands of Time is a program of oral history in which we interview our fascinating neighbors. Our engineer today has been Diana Fabry. And your host is Joyce Johnson. Thank you for being with us.